This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening in. Thank you for tuning into this newest edition, this newest podcast slash broadcast of VORW Radio International. Of course, going out to you after Christmas. It, it was my initial intention to try to get this out uh, before Christmas, but... <clears throat> You know, things just don't happen sometimes. And I'm sorry, I have a, a frog, a frog in my throat. I apologize there, but we'll leave that in for the raw sound, so you know you're getting the real deal now. That's like, that's like validi- validity right there. That's, you know, validation of that. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's silliness. Uh, you're going to be in for a varied show today. Going to be a little bit of everything. We'll discuss some current events, some issues in the news. Mr. Beast Burger, the holiday spirit, or perhaps lack thereof this year. Sports, sportsmanship, COVID-19, and much more. It's a varied show. Hope you enjoy what we have in store for you today. For those of you watching this program, there are three pieces of fan art I would like to bring to your attention. Of course, all the artists are credited in the description. The first piece of fan art uh, goes out to Domnio in Croatia. Been following since 2016. You could find more uh, work on Instagram. Domnio underscore Svarnov. That's D-O-M-N-I-O underscore S-T-V-A-R-N-O-V on Instagram. The second piece just goes out to a listener who'd like to be credited as are. The third piece can be credited to a listener who goes by the artist name Coma Burr. That's C-O-M-A-B-U-R-R. Coma Burr. So thank you to everyone out there who submitted the fan art. Always such a pleasure to feature your work in these programs. On one other note, before we get into the show, if you listened to the last broadcast I did, I had discussed advertisers just as a way to help keep the lights on, um, you know, keep everything going. I am very, very thankful that there are a few folks out there who who decided to take the leap and had a good feeling enough with this show to decide to go ahead and, and advertise on it. It's such a pleasure to have a few on board, and in the end, I hope for it to be a win-win situation. Helps keep everything going, and uh, hopefully you guys can check out these lovely sponsors, and, uh, you know, just seriously give them, give them a chance. Check it out. Remember, they help keep this show going. So uh, when we play these, these little advertisements and so, so on and so forth, just listen in. And if it's something that sounds appealing to you, please, uh, please check them out. They deserve it. According to the Dictionary of Obscure Sorrows, agnesthesia is the state of knowing how you really feel about something which forces you to sift through clues hidden in your behavior as if you were some other person. This perfectly describes the deep feelings of searching Jonah Morgan's newest EP, Agnesthesia. Jonah Morgan is an upcoming artist who specializes in alternative folk-punk music using acoustic instruments and unique voice combinations to evoke his strong emotions onto listeners. This is his first major release, and is a culmination of the artistic endeavors he has pursued throughout his high school career. 
If you're a fan of acoustic, punk, or emo music, then there's something for you in this collection. Agnesthesia is available on Bandcamp at a name-your-price rate. While monetary support is very much appreciated, listeners are not required to contribute to enjoy Morgan's work. Once again, this EP can be found through searching Agnesthesia, that's A-G-N-O-S-T-H-E-S-I-A, or through Jonah Morgan's Bandcamp artist page. Are you located in the greater Sacramento area of Northern California, or know someone who is? Maybe you're considering moving or relocating to that part of the state. There's a lot of realtors out there and lots of competition, lots of folks who say that they do this, this, and this, and sometimes it can be hard to find the right expert. There can be a lot of uncertainty, but a choice I recommend is Michael Peralta with EXP Realty, an excellent communicator and negotiator with a proven track record helping people buy or sell residential real estate. He's definitely a name that you can trust. While things might be a bit strange today, real estate continues to be the best way to create wealth, and mortgage rates are at historic lows. His DRE number is 019-96627. He's the real deal. If this is something that you're interested in, remember he serves the greater Sacramento area of Northern California for residential properties. You can reach out to him via telephone, area code 916-300-7224. Again, area code 916-300-7224. Or of course, you could reach out to him via email at Peralta Real Estate Services at gmail.com. That's P-E-R-A-L-T-A Real Estate Services at gmail.com. One long sequence there. But check him out. He's a good guy, the real deal, and he'll certainly do his best to help you out. So without further ado, let's get into the broadcast. All right, well, when there's not much to speak about. And I thought about this and I said, you know, just do it. Just uh, however long it is, it is. (laughs) As simplistic and stupid a statement that might be, there's some truth to it. I've said this before, I'll say it again. There's no, you're not forced to do this show for any longer than you want to. You know, you're not pointing a gun at my head and saying, make it four and a half hours. (laughs) You know, there was a time when I thought that all the shows needed to be long because that's just how they're supposed to be. But I didn't really have enough to talk about, so I was just sacrificing quality for length. It's ridiculous. You know, it's it's one thing if it's a structured show, and it has to be, you know, you have producers, and the producer says, okay, it needs to be from, you know, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, usually shows like that, they have a definitive plan, there's a staff, all this stuff. This is just a free-form show where usually very little of substance is ever discussed. But I still sit here at the microphone and I still do it. And I suppose by by some true miracle, a great audience out there takes the time to listen in. So thank you for those of you who are sticking around and listening in still. Thank you. Well, 
as I was saying, there's not too much to discuss. I mean, maybe for 10, 20, I don't know how long. It's just going to be as long as it is. We'll just share a few miscellaneous thoughts, and then we'll just get into some uh, correspondence. And that's it. show might be an hour and a half. It might be longer. It might be shorter. But uh, it'll just be as it is. Well, my goal is to try to upload and publish and release this program before Christmas, right? December 25th. That's my goal. Without shame, I say I am recording this on Tuesday, the 22nd of December, 2020. So there are two topics I really want to cover. First and foremost, this is just a general question that I have for you. And if you want, you can respond. I'm just legitimately curious. Uh, You can send in a response to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. I actually hope to um, maybe get one more show out before the, you know, before the new year. And then I think I'll do another show post-new year. So there's going to be a couple, a couple shows. Uh, You know, I might do a 2021 predictions show very early in January, but that'll be for the next one. Uh, this question is just something I asked on the shortwave broadcast, and I know not not everyone listens to that, so I wanted to share it here as well. But I asked it on the shortwave broadcast, and the response that came in for that was really interesting. It was almost universally the same answer. I'm curious if it'll be the same for this as well. I was saying, you know, we are, of course, approaching, you know, this time of year again, Christmas, New Year, right, all the holidays. A bit earlier in the month, you know, you had Hanukkah, still later, of course, we have Kwanzaa, we have all of the, all of the holidays. New Year, right? A very festive time, usually a joyous time, I think sometimes... You know, we get we get so caught up and swept away in the consumerism, we think we have to do this, we have to do that. You know, you have to get the... I mean, in the end, a couple of years ago, I used to rail and rave against some of the consumerism, saying that it kind of took away from what these holidays should really be. While I still have my protests... I don't care anymore, you know? It's like one of those things, you just don't care. So what? You know, what does it matter? It doesn't. I have my view, you have yours. I, what, what's the big deal? Why should I spend the time yelling like a lunatic about it? Can't people live their own lives if they're not hurting or harming others? Of course. So let people do as they want. So, enough with that. An interesting thing, to me anyway, is that at this time of year, and it's been this way, and I am not someone who really goes all out celebrating these holidays. I say that as a preface. I am not. I I just don't... 
I've never been crazy about them. Not that I have a disdain for them or a dislike. I'm just not a huge holiday person. I really never am for any holiday. It's always like it's just another day. You know, it's been that way for Halloween. It's been that way for Thanksgiving. Been that way for Easter. It's been that way for Christmas. I'm just not a big, you know, holiday person. Of course, though, we are getting to that time of year, right? Where you're, oh, you know, you see the holiday commercials on TV. On the radio, you hear some stations that play holiday music. You know, maybe you see some holiday movies, you see Christmas decorations. The weather is really turning cold, and a lot of the time, I think we start feeling that so-called Christmas spirit. The entire circumstance of all the stuff, it makes you, I don't know, you just get this feeling, you know? That's what the whole Christmas spirit is, you know? This festive, you just feel this festive aura around this time of year. Something special about it, you know? Not this year, for me anyway. I don't feel anything. It feels like it's just another day. This, it does not... What I'm trying to say is that usually around this time of year, despite not being, you know, a fanatical <laughs> holiday person, I don't walk around with a Santa hat on or any of that stuff. But I'd still always feel like, oh yeah, you know, it feels like Christmas. It feels like that holiday season. It's just a feeling. Probably all psychological, and it's just a product of everything around you. But I think every year I've felt it to some capacity. But this year I don't. I mean, not one bit. If I said, well, what day does it feel like? You know, I would reply to it, well, it it feels, doesn't feel like this. It doesn't feel like there's anything special going on. Is this a product of the world we are in today? You know, a very different world than, well, where we were one year prior. Could that be the case? The passage of time is another theory as to why maybe I don't feel anything for the holidays this year, why it just feels so not even artificial. Because artificial makes it sound like you're still feeling the holiday spirit, it just doesn't feel genuine anymore. But it doesn't feel artificial, it just is, is non-existent. Not that I'm a, you know, like the Grinch or the Scrooge or something, oh, the stupid, stupid uh, Christmas and holidays, no. I'm fine with it. You do as you wish, and celebrate as you wish. It just, if you told me that it's Christmas time, I wouldn't believe it. Something about it just doesn't feel, doesn't feel there. I just don't know how else to describe it. And because this was really the first year that I felt this way, I started thinking, well, is it just me? Is there something wrong with me? Maybe there is. So on the shortwave broadcast, I asked the listeners, I said, 
in a much more eloquent way than I just explained, you know, that this is how I feel. Do you feel similar? Do you feel the holiday spirit this year, or does this year just feel different and off to you? And every single response, unanimous it was, said, no, it's not just you, this year just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right, you know? I don't feel the holiday spirit. Some listeners even said it just doesn't even feel like December. It's just, this whole year has just molded together and it feels like one long day. And it's like every every part is indiscernible from the next. So evidently, this isn't just one unique circumstance just to me. Granted, you know, the sample size it's just, it's just, it's interesting. I don't know how large the sample size was, but it's just very interesting to see that other people all over the country and even the world seem to have a similar feeling in that, yeah, something is missing from the holiday season this year. So that was really interesting. So my question to you this year, of course, being so different, right, compared to previous years. Are you feeling, you know, the holiday spirit this year? Or does, does 2020 feel different for you? I mean, everyone's still trying to do the Christmas stuff the same. I look around, I still see the Christmas decorations. If anything, I see more than I saw last year. I turn on the FM radio and everyone's favorite, you know, adult contemporary radio station with that claims to be the best one and has the same exact playlist of 20 songs that they recycle endlessly with dozens of commercials in between every two songs switched over to their holiday music for the last month and a half, as I always seem to. You got, you got your festive car commercials. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, it's Christmas morning, someone goes out. They got their $50,000 SUV with the big red bow on it sitting in the driveway. Because <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah. Santa giving away the cars. <laughs> I don't know what's so funny about that to me, but these holiday car commercials. I see so many of them anyway down here on television. I don't know what about it makes them so humorous to me, but they just do. They make me laugh. I don't know. Everything is still there, but it doesn't feel like it is, is what I'm trying to say. And at least from the responses that I've received doesn't feel this way for anyone that at least I've I've gone over this with yet so my question is you know do you feel the holiday spirit this year are you in a festive mood or does it just feel like this emptiness and non-existence that it seems like other people feel 
this year. I'm curious, does it feel like the holidays? Responses are welcome, V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Again, that's via email to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. One thing that I think I was getting at before I got a little sidetracked, I was thinking, well, maybe it has to do with time perception, at least in my case. And I I know there's an easy answer to this, what I'm about to say. Where, you know, I'm going to say, well, it doesn't really feel like it's been a long time, to me anyway, since Christmas of 2019. It feels, to me, it feels like, you know, in terms of the mental interpretation of the last year, my body and my mind, perhaps, feel as though it is maybe the second week of January 2020, in terms of the amount of time that has passed since Christmas of 2019. So it feels like maybe it's been about two weeks since last Christmas. It's actually been a whole year. But to me, it feels like, you know, passage of time-wise, it's only been two weeks ago. So maybe that's why it seems so fresh in my head last Christmas that how do you feel like it's already another one when the last one seems so recent? Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's it. This whole year, to me anyway, has gone by so quickly because every day has been indiscernible. You know, because you do the same thing. It's like you stay in, same COVID news, same political news with minor variances, same everything. One day blends to the next, into the next, into the next, into the next, into the next. For so many people. You know, stay inside, stay home. So you're not really going out, you're not traveling, you're not doing all of these things that maybe separate one segment of the year to another. Could that be? Could that be why so many people feel this way? I don't know. But what I was going to say is that I know that as you get older, time... Well, they always say that time does seem to pass quicker. I think the saying is the days are just as long but the years fly by. Of course, you know, when you think about life, right, you think about years and how when you're 10 years old, you know, one year, that's one-tenth of your entire existence. So, of course, it's going to feel longer. You know, when you're in your 20s already, now that that's already just half of that. It's one-twentieth of your existence when you're 50, and 60 and 70, it just gets less and less. So, of course, some people say, well, yeah, you know, that's why time does seem to pass quicker when, uh, you know, you're, you're older. But still, it's just, it's interesting, to me anyway, and I had been observing that. It's, it's an interesting thing, time perception for the last few years it seemed like it was getting quicker and quicker. But as soon as we crossed into 2020 and the COVID stuff started happening, it's like it was already accelerating, 
But now someone smashed their foot on the gas pedal, and it really took off. I mean, now we are off to the races. I wonder if there's a day where this ever ends, and, you know, that sense of true normality is ever to return. Will time actually seem not to slow down, but become more identifiable? Or is this just the beginning? That's interesting. So, who's to say? Can't believe it's the end of the year already, though. May 2021 somehow be better than 2020. Let's hope. Let's hope. It's kind of funny, though. I was listening... I was, I guess, on New Year... New Year's Eve 2019... I was listening to some radio stations. It's such an ill-placed comment, you know, but of course no one could predict the future. Um, But on New Year's Eve, I was listening to the BBC radio. It was one of the domestic networks, I'm pretty sure, and I know there's a few. So let me just figure out if I could find out which which station it was. It was on long wave. It was 198 kilohertz long wave. It was BBC Radio 4. So again, one of the domestic networks. It wasn't the World Service. But I remember I was listening to it on the long wave. And, you know, it was getting very close to midnight over in the UK. And I was listening to their New Year's Eve program. And I was recording it, I guess just for the fun of it. You know, just to record their broadcast as it turned midnight over there. And the announcer was saying, well, you know, with 2019 going into 2020, I think he made a comment, something to the extent of, uh, you know, Well, 2019 has been a crazy year. Surely 2020 can't be any crazier. You know, it can't be any worse. I I think they said something like that, and then they said, hey, maybe it's all uphill from here. (laughs) Now, of course, looking back at that, you think, oh my gosh, what a comment that was. (laughs) Little did we know. Little did we know. So, I don't know. You can call me extremely pessimistic, but I hope... Look, I hope 2021 is going to be better for the world uh, than 2020 has been. But I'm not I, <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not counting on it, but I am hopeful. I am hopeful. So maybe it's not extremely pessimistic, maybe it's just a little bit. But I hope 2021 is a better year. You know, it's just you saw what happened this year. So, we don't have a crystal ball. We can't predict the future. I remember on New Year's Eve, I was sitting there and I was watching the the ball drop in Times Square. And I remember thinking, well, number one, two things. I was thinking, wow, 2020, I can't believe we're in a new decade. You know, it feels so futuristic, yet nothing has changed. And secondly, I was thinking, 
2020 is going to be a big year, and it's going to be a crazy year, but I wasn't thinking about the COVID. I was thinking about the election. I thought that that's what the whole year was going to be focused on, because you remember 2016, at least in the U.S., it was all about the election. It was all about... I remember I was watching... I was focused on it the whole year in 2016. You know, you were focused on first the Republican, uh, you know, nomination. You were watching the debates. You were seeing, you know, you think it's just going to be the usual establishment. And then, you know, you have Trump enters the ring and then it all becomes, you know, about that. And then after all of that, then, you know, you had Trump and Hillary Clinton and you had the rallies and the protests, counter-protests, and this, and, and it was just one thing after the next, after the next, and it just, it went the entire year. So I thought to myself, wow, you know, I know the 2016 election was, was crazy. So can you imagine how the 2020 election is going to be? I thought that it was going to be like 2016 election on steroids. And, you know, little did you... Did you know, well, the 2020 election, it's going to be there, but it's all going to be overshadowed by something else. So it was a big year, but not not as I thought it would be. It's just interesting. I still remember it was on like January 3rd. That's when I first heard about the COVID. I remember I was on an airplane heading down to Florida. And on the back of the seat, there was a screen that had, you know, the news on. And I plugged in the headphones, I was watching the television to pass the time on the flight. And, you know, they were talking about this new mysterious respiratory illness in Wuhan, China. And I remember they were saying there were like 57 cases or something attributed to the wet market there, they said. And I remember thinking at the time that, you know, that's interesting and... You know, I think I even looked it up on my phone a little bit, but you always have like this what if, like imagine if it's actually going to impact the world. I mean, that's how I felt about Ebola back in 2014. Imagine if it actually would get global and become a pandemic. Well, it never did. You know? You, you eventually get conditioned, you think, oh, nothing ever happens. It's all hype. But, you know, this one, well, it really did spread, but then it leads to a fierce debate about, well, how do we feel about the restrictions? Do you think were they overreacted? They underreacted? How serious is it, etc.? And then you have all this debate. Nobody can agree on anything. But it's, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, you don't think it's going to really amount to much. It's an interesting news story, but you even saw it this year. You know, reports, I think, in, like, April of a, was it, a Hanta virus in China? That never came to anything. I mean, do you know how many novel viruses are discovered each and every year? Tons. Way more than most people would ever think. But I guess it only takes one. Only takes one. And now, of course, you have the mutation in the UK. More transmissible... Doesn't affect the severity, though. And they say the vaccine 
is still effective against that, but it makes it more transmissible. We'll see what, what comes of that, but it's probably all over the world already. You know, considering that mutation was discovered in, uh, in September. It's only being talked about now. So, I don't know what I'm trying to really talk about. I'm just saying, I guess, time is a funny thing. and I'm just reminiscing, I guess, and kind of ruminating on the year and just some, some thoughts about that. Collective Fear is a one-man electronic music project out of Boston, Massachusetts, who released their first single, Pity, on October 11th, 2020. The music evokes dark themes and moods of synth-pop, dark wave, and shoegazing while maintaining a catchy pop sensibility. Collective Fear has drawn comparisons to artists such as Cold Cave, Health, and Youth Code, and would be a great listen for any folks who enjoy electronica in general. With a variety of new releases at the ready, Collective Fear is poised to make an impact in 2021. Pity is available on all major streaming platforms, such as Spotify, SoundCloud, Bandcamp, Apple Music, Tidal, Deezer, and many more. Please feel free to give a follow on Spotify or Instagram at instagram.com slash collective underscore fear if you'd like to support the band and stay up to date on future releases. I appreciate your support and hope to connect with all of you as listeners in the future. Make sure you check them out, Collective Fear. One other thing I just wanted to discuss real quick, something that I'm, well, I'm thankful for. Of course, the YouTube is, I think a lot of folks tuning in know at this point is my livelihood. It's what I do full-time. The other channel, the report of the week, right, the main channel. And uh, when it comes down to the reviews that I, you know, I, I usually, that's the main focus of that channel. That's, I think, what a lot of people tune in for. I always try to peruse different, you know, different, um, whatever, food, blogs, food news sites, which these things really do exist, and just see what's being talked about. I mean, if it's an item that may not be the most popular, then you have to try to either get a good thumbnail or a good title to try to, you know, forcefully create interest in something. Like, um, you know, three weeks ago, I did a video about Buffalo Wild Wings. They were doing... They had these pizza-flavored wings that they released months ago, back in September, and I had only heard of it recently. But I was looking, and no one was really talking about it anymore, so I thought to myself, well, how can you make something that may not necessarily be on fire, right, isn't isn't going crazy, you know, through the online world? How can you try to generate at least some degree of interest in it? So, you know, you kind of, you do the review of these wings that they tried to make so inventive that were these pizza-flavored chicken wings. You know, you get a good thumbnail of the chicken wing and you say, is this the future of chicken wings? (laughs) Obviously it's not, but it's just trying to add some humor to it. 
maybe some people will be inclined to check it out. It's a way of trying trying to generate a level of interest without being hopefully anno- hopefully overtly annoying. I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like an annoying fly buzzing around your head and it's just like, come on, you know, F off, get away. So, and then of course, you know, you're looking around the McRib that came up. That's always a classic item that people are always interested in, the McRib. You know, does it still live up to the hype? Well, is it still as good as it usually is? Like, you have these diehard McRib supporters, and you have the detractors that say, you know, you know you're... I don't know if this is real meat. You just be, you know, I don't know what this is. Uh, Then I did a random video just for fun. Some food disgusts me. Discussing just some eating quirks and habits. Uh, Then there is a triple treat box from Pizza Hut, you know, is it the perfect meal deal? You get all this pizza, which it is a good deal for 20 bucks in this special holiday box. Now, after that review, I was starting to look around and I was thinking, well, what's the next thing uh, that I'm going to review? You know, there's an energy drink that I do want to try out. Um, Let me just look this one item up here. I know Papa John's Right, they hope to to release, I think it's a stuffed crust pizza. Well, pizza reviews always do good, but it's not going to be released until December 28th. So, well, that's, you know, you still got time till that happens. Well, what else is there to try? Anything? Well, I mean, if you live in China, <laughs> you can go to McDonald's China and you could try the Oreo Spam burger. <laughs> Could you believe that? It says... <laughs> I like This is the strangest sandwich I've ever heard of. One of the strangest. This is available in China only. This new burger features the odd sweet and salty combination of crushed Oreo cookies and two slices of grilled Spam luncheon meat. Uh, along with what either seems to be Mayo or vanilla Oreo cream on a sesame seed bun. <laughs> Available for 13 yuan. That's about $2. I guess it's in China only. But, my God, what a strange sandwich that is. <laughs> fascinating, though. It's fascinating. But I don't live there, and I don't... I don't even know if I could travel to China at this point still. I don't even know how the travel restrictions are. And it was for one day only. And it's already, that's done. But then I found out that there's this new place out there called Mr. Beast Burger. Of course, there's Mr. Beast, you know, he's... He's a famous content creator. A lot of folks out there, it's like they either love him or they hate him. But, I mean, he is huge. He's huge. Let's just look at his channel right now. He's got 48.5 million subscribers. I mean, he is a... Yeah, he is a huge, 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 huge channel. And he's very well known for doing... You know, like types of giveaway videos. I guess, you know, he tries to give back a bit. He gives a lot of money out to folks who... You know who might need it. He tries to do, you know, degree of, of uh, philanthropic work. And 
in an effort to try to help the restaurant industry, which is dying so fast this year, COVID has just killed it completely. Lots of small businesses anyway. They're just on their last legs if they're lucky. Uh, Mr. Beast decided to set up an initiative using the established kitchens of existing restaurants. Now, these existing restaurants continue to function as they normally do with their regular menu, whatever they are, be that an Italian restaurant or a Chinese restaurant or a barbecue place or whatever it is. They still serve what they usually do and operate their usual business. But in addition to it, as an initiative to try to generate extra revenue to these restaurants, they also function as a kitchen for Mr. Beast Burger. So Mr. Beast, overnight, opened 300 Mr. Beast Burger restaurants around the country. And at first, I didn't know, I, I had to do some research on this, I didn't know Mr. Beast Burger you know, use these established restaurants, which makes sense. It's a, it's a brilliant idea. At first, I thought, how the hell did he open 300 restaurants, you know, without any leaks or anything getting through? I mean, you would think that's a huge thing. Someone would have said, hey, uh, Mr. Beast is making this huge chain. Be on the lookout, you know. But that never that never happened. So that's how. It's through these established, you know, these established uh, restaurants or whatever you want to wanna call it. Now, it's delivery only. It's delivery only. So you have to go onto their website, or you can use an app. Like, the thing is, if you want to try it out, at first he was saying you have to download this app. I didn't download the app. I actually... He has a website. It's called MrBeastBurger.com. Of course, it's a burger restaurant. You can order online. And I did that, and I ordered, and I got it through... What did I get it through? Let's look. I could find it. Let me scroll down. I still have the email. Here it is. They said it was through... I think it was DoorDash. Yeah, that's what it was through. That's who, that's who delivered it. And I've used DoorDash so many times. People were saying that a lot of them used Postmates, which was giving a lot of problems. But DoorDash is usually on the ball. They usually do a good job. I was thankful that they were working with, I guess, the one near me. Um, but there were lots of locations. Let's see, they have so many locations in... Eh, lots of... Uh, Lots of areas. They have it in Alabama, Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, D.C., Delaware, Florida. Lots of locations in Florida. I got lucky. Pretty much all states. But, you know, some have it more than others. Like, there are lots of locations for Mr. Beast Burger in California, in Florida, in Minnesota... Massachusetts, 
Ohio and Pennsylvania with a decent number in Texas. But, you know, some states only have like one per state. And there are some areas of the country that are kind of in a dead zone where there aren't any. So, a lot of people were talking about it. The uh, menu for Mr. Beast Burger is pretty standard. It's like your standard American food. You can get the Beast-style burger, you know, the Chandler-style, the Chris-style, get a grilled cheese sandwich, you can get your chicken tendies sandwich, get Nashville hot chicken sandwich, get your, your seasoned fries, and that's about it. You can get some soda, bottled water, chocolate chip cookie, you know, a pretty standard, it's like your standard, uh, you know, American fast food. But my goodness, I was deluged with requests. There were so many folks out there, try the Mr. Beast Burger, you know, you gotta try out Mr. Beast Burger. And again, I was very fortunate to, to uh, be able to, to get it. And it was pretty good for what it is. I mean, again, it's like, it's for a good cause. If it's helping these businesses and these local restaurants, it's helping them stay afloat, I'm all for it, because this industry is dying fast. So they need all the help they can get. But the food itself, I mean, what I got was fine. I can't complain about it. It was a pretty good burger. You know, I mean, it was just, it was, it was a standard but good meal. There were some folks out there who I saw on social media that had very, very serious concerns with it. They were saying, well, I got raw food. Now, that's not good. But thankfully, the food that I got was was decent. But what I'm very thankful for is that there was a lot of interest in this subject and in this... Which, again, makes sense. Mr. Beast is huge. And I am just very, very thankful, you know, to the circumstance that presented itself and that there was a lot of interest in this video, so much so that the video even wound up on the YouTube trending page. I think it was the second video this year that got on the trending page. The first one was the Travis Scott meal from McDonald's, and uh, Mr. Beast Burger is the second one. It got over 900,000 views in about a day, which is crazy. And it's, it's... It's breathtaking, but it's something that I'm truly thankful for because this channel is my livelihood and it's always nice to have a good day in terms of that. So it's very, very nice. And usually afterward, it, it sometimes helps out the channel and the algorithm and it kind of, you know, because the algorithm is everything with YouTube. And usually when you get a video that generates that level of interest, it helps the rest of the channel. It just helps keep everything above, you know, keep its head above water for a while. So I'm very, very thankful that at least this year, in terms of YouTube, on the YouTube side of things, it seems like it's able to end on a high note, really is as nice as it could. So it's something that I'm truly thankful for. And uh, hopefully, at least on the YouTube side of things, We'll go into 2021 strong, keep it going. 2021, it's going to be the 10 year anniversary of this YouTube channel. 
I'm still going to be here, and hopefully this channel is going to be around much longer. Hopefully I'll still be around, and the channel will be around <clears throat> 10 years more, 20 years more, however long it continues. But certainly it's extremely encouraging, very positive, and I'm truly thankful that to everyone out there that decided to give this review of mine a try and, you know, see what it's all about. I'm very, 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 very thankful that things wound up as they did with this review. So it's just very nice when this happens. And, you know, I guess to say it one more time, yes, while sounding like a broken record, it's just very nice, and a huge thank you to everyone who decided to check that video out. But Mr. Beast Burger, I mean, it's something out there to try. If, if it's near you, you know, you can get it delivered. They'll bring it straight to your door. Give it a shot, see what it's about, see if you like it, and uh, go from there. But I tried the Beast-style burger out, and uh, I mean, I thought it was solid for what it is. I guess my biggest complaint wasn't even a complaint, it was a worry was I saw that it had mayo, which I think a lot of people know how I feel about that now. But it had mayo, it had ketchup, and it had barbecue sauce on it. And I thought to myself, oh no. And I was thinking, and I didn't really want to say it and like feel like I'm, you know, I have some sort of hit against this brand, because they've really improved. But I was thinking of Burger King when I thought about all these sauces, because Burger King, now they have gotten so much better over the years. Burger King has really improved immensely. But there was a time where they would put too much sauce, they would put too much mayo, too much of everything, sauce-wise, and the burger becomes this disgusting, waterlogged mess. I was very fearful at first. I thought, oh no, oh no, this isn't going to be good. But there was actually, I was okay with it. Uh, it was really, in, it was inoffensive. I think the folks who like mayo, you know, I don't know. I don't know the people who like mayo, and I am not a big mayo fan. I don't know in what quantity people really like mayo. Some people might even want more, but for me, I thought it was sufficient. It was inoffensive, at least to me. So, Mr. Beast Burger, hey, give it a shot if you're interested. I would, though, recommend ordering through their website, MrBeastBurger.com. That just seemed much smoother to me. I was able to just order it uh, in one, one shot. Some people who were using the app were saying, oh, it kept crashing, it wasn't going through, there was this issue, there was that issue. I just go old school with so many things, you know, I just... You know, I just used the website on my computer, and it worked completely fine, very smooth, no issues. It went through, they delivered it, no problem, got the order right, so that was fine. So, light discussion on a few random topics. Let's get into some listener letters right now. Uh, this next segment of the broadcast is the VORW Mailbag Program. I read and respond to listener correspondence. If you are interested in reaching out to me, and have your question, your comment, your topic suggestion, your piece of feedback. It can be completely random. You could answer the question that I presented earlier in the broadcast about the holiday season. 
If you would like to answer that, you're more than welcome to do so. But uh, correspondence is great. It's, it's great to know what your thoughts are on the show. It's just a pleasure to hear from listeners. So if you would like to correspond and have a topic or email read in the next show, which again, hopefully will be before New Year, please reach out to me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Once again, that's v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. With that now, let's take a look at some of the feedback that has come in. Okay, first email comes in from a fan in Korea. Hey, Review Bra, I'm a huge fan of yours from Korea. I've recently come across one of your videos through the algorithm and fell in love with them. While I was browsing through your lovely videos, I also came across the recognition that you live somewhere near Orlando, which is close to where I used to live when I studied in the U.S., Daytona Beach. Yeah, that's in... uh, Volusia County, up there, Daytona Beach. But let me get to the point. And this question has been bothering me with your more recent videos. Why do you not consume as much water as before in your previous videos? I'm very curious as to what kind of cup you use these days, and why you don't get thirsty after consuming a large amount of salty fast food you eat. If you have the time to do so, please respond to this question, as it is an urgent matter. Thank you in advance. Well, you're getting the first response in this show. Urgency is uh, appreciated. So, I'm a little puzzled, and don't take this the wrong way. If you listen right here, that's actually ice water sloshing around right now. And if you listen even closer, That was the sound of me drinking some of that water. We'll take one more good sip. Kind of a silly sight if you could see this, but I'm standing here, and I I had the microphone pointed directly at my throat as I was sipping to make sure you could perhaps hear that. I guess what I'm trying to say through that very, very ridiculous gesture, my water consumption has actually, if anything, increased over time. Now, this is just one thing to consider. Right? These videos are maybe 10 minutes in length. Now, sometimes they're a little longer, sometimes they're a little shorter, uh, but by and large, these videos are roughly about, you know, 10 to 12 minutes long. And you may get one every, you know, two to four days. Now, if I only existed, right, in reality, my existence was only that of what is seen on YouTube, meaning I was only alive for these 10 or 12 minutes. I would say that you you have an absolutely valid and correct observation. Now, maybe in the reviews themselves, you know, I don't pound down the water as I, as I once did, perhaps. Now, maybe that's the case. However, of course, we know that I do exist off-camera. So off-camera, 
I still drink just as much water as I ever did. As a matter of fact, uh, I even drink more because I have upgraded my receptacle. Uh, now, in many instances, I still do use the blue chalice, but in other circumstances, like today, I use this metal thermos, which I would say holds the amount of water that, you know, maybe two or three of the blue chalices would hold. And as a result, I mean, I drink much more. I go through, you know, a good amount of water each and every day. Now, I only go with well, largely uh, the Starbucks water, um, because I think Starbucks, Starbucks water, I think, has the superior taste and quality um, compared to other brands. So Starbucks water, and this was confirmed, I think, by multiple baristas who work at Starbucks. It is, they say, it's triple filtered. And it just, that's what I've always noticed. And I was hooked on the Starbucks water from day one when I could just even taste somehow this degree of, of cleanliness to it. Superior freshness. That Starbucks, their water, now it's free, of course, you can just go... I would recommend buying something, honestly. Go and, you know, get something and say, could I get... Always get the Trenta, if you do. Please, get the Trenta. Get the most bang for your buck. Say, I would like to get a Trenta ice water, please. Um, but Starbucks, their ice water is the best. That's what I drink almost all the time. That's what I'm drinking right now, Starbucks ice water. It just has such a pure crisp, refreshing taste to it. And if it's not that, then sometimes I'll get a jug of, you know, some various brand of spring water, I think from, you know, whatever, Publix, which is a grocery store, you know, here in Florida, or Walmart, or, you know, anywhere else. But normally I stick with the Starbucks water, or I go, again, with the spring water. I'm sometimes paranoid about tap water. I don't drink it. You know, and it's just... I tried. I said, well, let's just see if... Do I really... Is it all mental? Do I notice? Is there a difference? But there is. You know, I after drinking some, some of the Starbucks water, or even some of the you know, the purified drinking water or spring water, whatever it is, I took a glass and I filled it with some water straight from the tap. And the tap water tasted like slimy. And I couldn't, it, it was like, all right, if you had to drink it, I would, but it feels like there's something wrong with it. It somehow feels as though, you know, there's, it's just not right. Now, whether these concerns are legitimate or otherwise, it's just my preference to go with the alternatives. But this this feeling with tap water is nothing new. It's how I've been my entire life, so maybe it's just me. No matter where I am, tap water has always given me, I don't know, just a strange vibe, and I've never really been <laughs> very enthused to try it if I can avoid it. So while I appreciate your concern, there's no there's no legitimate worry. No, my, my water consumption is fine. It's as good as it ever has been. Maybe for the sake of the videos, I mean, maybe years ago I did take an extra sip or two on camera, um, but certainly off camera, which is way more important 
that anything done on camera in the grand scheme of things, uh, my degree of water consumption has either remained consistent or has remained, uh, it's actually gotten greater, it's gotten larger, it's been increased. So no, there's no worries, no concerns. Thank you though for even, you know, putting that, that thought to mind. It's, it means a lot, but no, there's nothing to worry about. My water consumption is good. And for those of you who are regular listeners, I'm sure you've heard me stop many a time to take a little bit of a water break as I record these shows, so you know I'm well hydrated. Okay, next comes in from Joanna in Germany. Hi, Review Bra. I'm a big fan of yours, especially the VORW podcast. I often listen to it when I go for long walks. It calms me down and puts me in a good mood, and I admire the way you can express your opinions with eloquence and thoughtfulness. The other day, I thought about life in the medieval era. Back then, when it was normal to be one of 12 children and be married off by your parents to a man you maybe didn't even know or like, the only option you had as a woman in that situation uh, like this was to go into a convent or to accept the decision your parents made for you. When I first thought about it, I was certain I would have devoted my life to God in a monastery, but then I imagined how boring life would become after a few months. Of course, gardening is nice, and then you have peace and quiet there, but also very limited contact to the outside world. Additionally, you would have to get up at 4 a.m. to have a prayer, and then you'd have to pray again at noon, and again very late in the evening. I know that for some... Uh, This is just how they would want to live, and that's great for them, but I just wouldn't want to. Then again, being trapped in an unhappy marriage with a stranger as a husband who may even be violent toward you also doesn't seem like an acceptable alternative. What would you do in a dilemma such as this one? I am excited to hear your thoughts on it. Also, I apologize for any grammar or vocabulary mistakes. I'm not a native speaker. Oh, thank you for writing in. Your English was perfect, so no no worries there. I mean, for me, and I think that the answer for this question would might be different depending on, you know, the gender of, of who is responding to this. So, of course, you know, for me as a guy to put myself in the shoes of, let's say, a woman in, you know, the medieval era... You know, I, it's, to me, the answer would be simple. I would, you know, live in the monastery if I was given that choice. Because it seems like the variables, but at the same time, you know, like raising a family or anything like that is not a priority of mine. So, you know, if that were the choice, you know, then, and also I am a you know, pretty solitary person. So the choice for me would not be, if that was just what it was, it would either be going to, you know, let's say the monastery and living, you know, a life, you know, kind of in solitude, although you would be, you would have a religious community, it would probably be pretty, you know, conservative, Um, might be a simple life, but it would either be that Perhaps, I mean, then I would hope 
it seems like back then anyway, you know, a lot of, I would say the quality of life there would probably be a little greater than that of, you know, let's say many peasants. And you may also have a certain degree of respect from the community. On the other hand, right, you are exposed to so many other variables. Uh, not only would you probably live in squalor, and yes, you know, you would be able to have children, you would be able to raise a family, but also back then, knowing the risk of disease and injury and all of that, you may have so sadly to see multiple children just taken from you, either, you know, maybe even just as young children or older because of disease. I mean, you name it. A lot of children didn't, didn't survive that time. I can't imagine the emotional loss that would be to have to see that maybe even more than once. And then, of course, the society at the time, uh, dealing with how folks were back then. I think there's a lot of people out there, though, like you said, if, again, forced to choose between those two, would side with that option because there's possibilities. You know, maybe whoever you end up with is a decent human being. <laughs> maybe you get lucky. Maybe things turn out better, but maybe they don't. I think it's just like going into the, you know, if you were if you were forced again to go into the monastery and all of that, and I think monastery is more with monks and all of that, but you know what I mean. I just think that there are more guarantees and that the quality of life would probably be better. Would probably be better. So that's what I would do. Thanks for uh, checking in. Next email comes in from William. As a topic for an upcoming VORW podcast, I'd love to hear your perspective on sports. I'm a recreational runner, but was never much of a team sport athlete. My greatest athletic accomplishment was running a marathon in Havana, which was a deeply enriching experience. However, I am a long-standing fan of many college and professional sports, even more than the action on the court, I enjoy the culture of sports. They offer a way to connect with strangers and opportunities for social gatherings. I love following the narrative of sports as told on sports talk shows everywhere. Most gratifyingly is knowing a player's background and following his success from an early age. Sports instill values in young competitors. They serve as microcosms for many of life's wins and losses. Meanwhile, top-tier athletes are role models bearing considerable influence on their young fans. I'd love your thoughts. Thanks so much from William. Well, thanks, William. And, uh, of course, congratulations on your achievement of running a marathon. It's something I could never do. So congratulations there. It's quite uh, an achievement. I am not a big sports fan. However... I do understand where exactly you are coming from. And I think that you, you raise a couple good points. People can have what interests they want, and if someone's a sports fan, that's fine. You know, some sports that I would still follow from time to time, but I can't say I have, like, a huge interest in any sport in particular, 
but I will follow NASCAR. The car racing, I will follow on occasion baseball. On occasion, I'll even watch some golf. You know, I guess the sport that I am biggest into right now is sumo wrestling, of all things, which doesn't have much of a following anywhere outside of Japan. I was exposed to that through NHK World, and I watch it every opportunity. But you raised some good points, and one thing that I was thinking about, you know, especially... I think that needs to be one of the most important things I'm trying to say that I think with sports, especially youth sports, that is more important than the game itself, or even the athletic activity, is, like you were saying, the concept and the principles of sportsmanship. And the fact that you can have a competition... And yes, that there are winners and losers, but you can still be friends afterward. And you can appreciate the activity in and of itself, and the fact that whether you won or lost, there was still effort put in, and life goes on. You know, the definition, the fair and generous behavior or treatment of others, especially in a sports contest. I think that those values and principles, though, should be extended far beyond any sports concept, uh, you know, contest. Should be something that should be put into daily life, not just on the field or on the court or anywhere else. It should be something that's extended into life. But it's always heartwarming to see that, you know, even after the game, the two teams, they come back on and they maybe shake hands or high five and they say, you know, good game, especially when they mean it. It's just, it's, it's beautiful to see. And on one short final note about sports... I think this especially applies in regards to, you know, more or less sports, I think, in schools and among younger people, though you still see it, it does carry into the, you know, adult sports and leagues and what have you. To me, anyway, it seems like it's one of the only fields where rules are ever even enforced anymore, you know, where people, where there is still at least to certain degrees, a sense of fairness. Where folks who cheat to win, it seems like they get penalized, and it's one of the only places that ever seems to even be taken seriously anymore. And it's sad. I wish the whole world was that way. And unfortunately, it's not. But I wish. You know, it's certainly... I certainly wish that was the case. It's disappointing that it's not, but, you know, what can you do? So thank you for writing in. Next piece of correspondence comes in from Scott in the United Kingdom. Hi, John. I hope you're doing well. 
I've been listening to your podcast for some time now, and I finally summoned up the courage to write in to you. I've recently finished my MBA, which I hoped I would be able to use to get my dream job working within the airline industry. However, with the current situation, almost all hiring has been suspended globally, and there is no sign of improvement. Many are predicting that the industry will never return to its former self, with some estimating that approximately 40% of all business travel will be replaced by remote group working platforms permanently. I'm curious what you think on the matter. Do you think technology will replace physical business travel? Warm regards from the United Kingdom from Scott. Well, thank you, Scott. And I'm sorry to hear about this series of events. I know this is... It's impacted a lot of people in a lot of very negative ways, especially those who work, you know, in the travel industry, whatever that might be. Uh, Airlines, hotels, tourism, I mean, you name it, all of that has taken, as we know, such a huge hit. Uh, Of course, not only due to fears of the the COVID-19, but also due to some, you know, restrictions that are, are placed on travel that literally kind of shuts it down by force. Uh, But I know a lot of people out there, including a good number of listeners, are affected by this, and it's it's always sad to see. You know, you have plans, you have hopes, and it kind of just ruins them. You know, it it dashes those those aspirations. So I'm sorry to... I'm sorry that you found yourself in this position. Now, you mentioned, okay, do you think... You know, you said, all right, even after all of this maybe is is said and done, uh, a good number of, well, good amount, I should say, of business travel might be replaced by, uh, you know, Zoom meetings, etc. I can see that. Do I necessarily agree with that? No. I think in many cases, for the sake of business, sometimes face-to-face interactions, I think, there's a difference, and I think we all know this whether we want to admit it or not, but there is a difference between a face-to-face meeting uh, versus, or a presentation, versus something virtual. In the end, though, I, I mean, I can see this happening. I can see it happening. As long as the deals are made, I don't think most companies really care uh, if the meetings happen in person or not, so I could easily see that happening. I would... I really wouldn't be surprised if it's even uh, higher than than 40%. They'll say, well, hey, we don't need to pay these people to travel anymore. Maybe we don't even need to hire as many people. Uh, You know, cut jobs, uh, save expenses, and make just as much money. What is there to lose? There's nothing. It's, uh, for some, a win-win situation. So I could absolutely see that. I mean, I think it'll be disappointing to see it go, but again, these decisions, you know, what can you do about it? Nothing. So I could I could honestly see business travel never really rebounding uh, to where it was pre-pandemic. I think some of it will return, but definitely not like it used to be. So especially as, you know, these virtual meeting uh, services, etc., continue to get refined, continue to get improved. You'll definitely see companies, I think, that'll just stick with it. So, 
it's bad news. It's bad news for, again, like we were saying, the travel industry. Of course, people will be back vacationing eventually. But again, with a lot of economic turmoil, uh, even that won't necessarily be, I think, up to full steam for a while. So, yeah, it's definitely going to have a hit. It's really, really tough for folks in that industry. Thank you for uh, writing in and a good question. Rich is checking in, says, long-time listener, first-time emailer. Have you ever looked into getting an account on the Cameo app? It is for followers of celebrities and influencers to request a personalized video for a fee. It's a great gift for friends and family who'd love to get a personalized happy birthday or general message from their favorite personality. You set the price, and it would help support you in the shortwave shows. Uh, Check it out because I'd love to do this from you for my wife's birthday. Thanks and stay you from Rich. Well, thank you for the suggestion, Rich. That's definitely a possibility going forward. You know, we'll see how this whole thing with the um, advertisers and sponsors goes with the podcast. But other than that, that's a possibility. The one thing, and I imagine that this is the case, I'll have to research it more. But that there's a good way to vet... Um, you know, what what you, you can and can't do on Cameo. You know, I just don't want to sit there and, you know, just make an utter uh, fool of myself for 20 bucks or something. I would just, I would like to do it with dignity, you know, not to make stupid requests or insults or any of that stuff. I mean, I know there are folks that do that, but I figure you can choose what you want to do, right? It's So, for instance, if there's someone, if let's say I get two offers, and one is to just give a happy birthday, you know, greeting to someone, whereas the other offer is to sit there with my shirt off and make fart noises for 20 minutes, I, I can just, I can choose, and I don't have to go with all of them, right? That's... I mean, that's common sense, but, you know, some sites are just strange. They have these strange stipulations and stuff, but I figure... Well, Cameo, it's something I have to look into, so thanks for uh, bringing that up. A short email from Jackie. Was listening to your podcast on YouTube while half asleep this afternoon. I loved it. Your voice is soothing, you're engaging, and the fan art is shocking. You got lots of fans, bro. I'm definitely one of them. Well, thank you for your kind words, Jackie. And, uh... I hope the fan art was enjoyable. I know shocking can sometimes be used in, uh, you know, shockingly good, shockingly bad, but I, I, I hope it's enjoyable. I always like the fan art that comes in. It's it's a lot of fun because you never know what you're going to get because you get so many different styles. You get so many different types of it, and it's it's just it's always incredible when you see what, what someone creates. It's just, it's it's incredible. That's the only word for it. It amazes me how much fan art is made, too. I just, I really... Sometimes it's difficult to verbalize because it's still something that I can't get over. I remember in 2013, that's when the first, I would say, actual fan art for my channel was ever made. And it, it was amazing. Like, I remember even when the first meme of me was made. Like, I was blown away in a good way. 
it was like I was completely floored that someone actually took the time to make a meme of me, you know, of, of me, that someone actually took this time and made something like that. Like, that's just outstanding. Let alone fan art, I was blown away, and I just couldn't, and I still can't believe, it's still like the same feeling that I've gotten after all these years, that someone actually took the time to do that. It's, it's truly outstanding, and I commend anyone out there who took the time and effort to make a piece of fan art. It's, it's truly incredible. So thank you, Jackie, for checking in. Uh, this email, this one is, this one's spam. Sometimes you get these spam emails at first. You think it's a real email, but it's not. Uh, we have Oliver writing in from Guadalajara, Mexico. I really enjoy listening to your broadcast. I find it quite interesting, and it is great for practicing my English as well. I was wondering if you have ever come to Mexico, and if you haven't, do you have plans of coming one day and maybe trying some of our traditional food? Keep up the great content. I wish you the best in this upcoming holiday season. Uh, So thank you, Oliver, in Mexico, for uh, writing in and checking in. I have never been to Mexico. I've never been to Mexico. Uh, Going forward, I can't say I have any definitive plans, although, truth be told, I have no definitive plans on traveling to any other countries at this point. So it's not like, you know, okay, once traveling becomes easier internationally, uh, I'm going to go here, 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 and here. Right, and I have this list, and I'm going to go, and uh, I'm going to walk the uh, Great Wall of China or something, and, you know, I'm going to go to Russia, and I'm going to I'm gonna free climb this, this crane and, and stand on top of it and get a uh, picture for Instagram or something. It's like, you have these travelers, of course, that have all of these plans, all of these very, very ambitious plans. I don't. For me, it's like, all right, well... I'll do what I do, whatever uh, whatever happens, happens. From there, you know, I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, so right now, I don't have any plans to do any sort of substantial traveling, maybe just domestically, but nothing uh, internationally at this point. However, that can definitely change. You know, it's definitely not something that I will write off the list. Now, the one thing with Mexico I know, and I'm just curious, and I know there are a number of listeners, uh, not only online, but also on the shortwave, who are located in Mexico, who could probably answer this question. Because, you know, Mexico in the media here is, is portrayed, of course, as like a dangerous place in some aspects. I know, obviously, the cartels and the cartel violence and all of that is a legitimate problem in some some areas. Um, but I also know that Mexico does have, you know, some some very good areas as well. I'm just curious, how is it really in Mexico? You know, from people who have actually lived there or spent substantial time there. Because again, like I was saying, you know, you get one picture painted of it, and obviously... It's a place that does have its problems. It does have its issues. Um, but I'm just, I'm, that's something that I am curious about. 
but definitely it is it is a country that still is rich in history has some beautiful areas and uh certainly i mean look you never know going forward what's uh what the future holds so thank you for your email Next up, we have an email coming in from Nick in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, this is a question that I get a bit, but still, I think an honest question. Certainly a valid one worth answering, even if it's in every single show. Uh, I'm more than happy to do this because it's something that I stand by, support, and strongly advocate. He asks, I was wondering if you had a personal favorite radio for receiving shortwave radio broadcasts, and if so, do you have any suggestions for antennas? Thanks, from Nick. And he posts his call sign below, so I take it that you are an amateur radio operator as well. So here is uh, here is my thought uh, in terms of your question on a shortwave radio, because now as an amateur radio operator, granted, I, I know you have... Definitely a, you know, a deeper understanding of the medium of radio compared to the average person. However, see, one mistake, and I, I know you already know this, one mistake that I think some people make when they see someone is an amateur radio operator, they automatically think that you know, you are big into shortwave as well. And of course, that's not, that's not true. That's not the case always. Yes, there are hundreds of thousands of ham radio operators in, let's say, the United States. But of that number, you know, a number of them just focus on other modes of communication, be that some of the higher bands, um, you know, some more localized stuff, satellite, you name it. Uh, so, you know, that's just one thing. I think some people, they say, oh, well, my friend is a is an amateur radio operator, so he'll know everything about shortwave radio. But, no, I appreciate your question, and I'm, I'm more than happy to, to help. That's just a misconception that I sometimes see on different forums and groups and stuff where they think, if you're an amateur radio operator, then you obviously know everything about every type of radio. Um, but, I mean, like, same thing in my case. I am not an amateur radio operator. And while, you know, I consider myself familiar with shortwave, if you were to ask me about, you know, let's say satellites, uh, I would be pretty lost. So, <laughs> you know, everyone has their different different little specialties, I guess. Um, but to answer your question, now, here's the thing. My personal favorite radio for receiving shortwave broadcasts is the Texun PL660. That's T-E-C-S-U-N PL-660 receiver. I'm looking at it right now. I have it sitting here on top of this uh, counter right next to me. Uh, I use it every single day. And it's a fantastic radio. Best I've ever owned, to tell you the truth. It's one of it's so durable, number one. It's very reliable. And it just gets the job done. I only have good things to say about it. Now, the Texun PL660 receiver is a little... You know, I know a lot of folks right now are on a budget. But if you have the money to get it, 
I would recommend investing it and getting a Texun PL660 radio. It's a fantastic AM, FM uh, shortwave receiver. So, of course, it comes with all the bands. You can listen to the AM stations, the FM, the shortwave radio stations. You can listen to uh, the aircraft band as well. You can pick up the planes and the airport communications. And it is also equipped with longwave band, which is pretty much useless here in North America. But uh, for listeners in Europe, you'll still be able to listen to some different stations on longwave although that's dying out pretty quickly over there. So it's just a good radio. I mean, it really is. It's just a really good receiver. Now, if you're more on a budget, though, then I would, of course, recommend the Texun PL380 or the Texun PL310ET receivers. Uh, Those are each about $50, um, but are very, very good radios. I mean, also very good quality. There are lots of listeners out there who tune into my broadcasts on those receivers, and uh, they are just, I mean, they're just, they're very good as well, just a little cheaper, but they still do a good job, so don't think you're sacrificing too much quality for that price. Um, One receiver is the Texun PL880. They say it's better than the 660, but I, I think the 660 is, you know, that's my favorite. That's my personal favorite. Uh, C-Crane does a few good radios. Eaton, as well, does a few good ones. Uh, if you're really, really on a budget, then you can check out the Reticus V115 shortwave radio. That's R-E-T-E-K-E-S-S. Reticus V115 shortwave radio. That's available for $20. But... Just understand that you are sacrificing quality uh, for the price. You're only going to hear a fraction of the stations that you would hear on one of the Texuan radios on uh, the Reticus receiver, because it's just not as sensitive and the antenna just isn't as good. But I recommend it uh, in cases where, you know, someone's really on a budget. And, I mean, let's say that they are in an area where they can hear my broadcasts directly uh, with good quality you know, then I would still recommend it. Uh, So it's good for picking up the strong stations, but not so much for the distance listening. You know, if you want to hear kind of those long-distance stations, then I recommend getting a, you know, a better receiver. But if you are in, let's say, the United States, and you're interested in hearing some of the domestic U.S. broadcasters, uh, then I'd say the Reticus V115 is a decent radio for that. But just understand that you're kind of making a sacrifice for quality as opposed to price. Antenna-wise, of course, the the, uh, telescoping antenna that's built in, you know, your standard radio antenna is always good. Um, A wire antenna is nice, too. I'd recommend getting the Sanjian ANT-60. That's S-A-N-G-E-A-N, ANT-60 antenna or the CC shortwave real antenna, that's R-E-E-L, antenna. So, one of those two, um, for about 10 bucks a piece. Those do a good job as well. And if you get a wire antenna, my best advice in terms of using it, string it outside, if you are able to. If you can't, then string it near a window. But in my case, for instance, I feed... I have about a 40-foot 
long uh, wire antenna, and I feed it through the window, and then I string it outside and away from electronic interference, because when you do that, then you really get a substantial boost in reception. So just try to, again, string it outdoors if you are able to. You know, clip it onto a tree branch, or anything that you think you can, as long as it's away from things, that's all. But uh, I am more than happy to always recommend radios to listeners. Of course, communication and freedom of information is always something that I strongly believe in and advocate. So I'm more than happy to give such a recommendation. Plus, yes, selfishly, you can listen to my own broadcasts on this medium as well. But I think there's a lot more to offer than than just that. Uh, If you are interested, of course, a resource that I try to compile is... uh, my Amazon store, amazon.com slash shop slash the report of the week. It's just some odds and ends. It's really, there's just stuff that's kind of put there for the fun of it. It's not really a serious endeavor, but it's just a place to try to organize certain things to get ideas. So if you see something there and you can get it there, it also supports this broadcast. But if not, I would say do not put it off. Don't say, oh, well, maybe I'll wait till it gets back in stock. Just get it somewhere else then. Um, honestly, getting a radio, I think, is is more important. You know, it's important that you get one if you want one. So that's just my view. Um, but I hope these recommendations were helpful. If anyone listening, this isn't just responding to this email now, but if anyone listening uh, does have any radio-related questions, uh, is interested in kind of because I can give these recommendations in written form as a reply. Uh, If you have any radio-related questions or recommendations, or you just want some information, and maybe you're considering getting a a shortwave radio, maybe not, but you just want some details, feel free to reach out to me at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. And, uh, you know, just, just ask. Just ask, and I will try my best to help you out. So uh, that's what we have there. Thanks again, Nick, Atlanta, Georgia, for writing in. We have another email coming in. This one is from Gregory, writing, My dearest Mr. Review Bra, I hope this missive finds you well. I really enjoy your broadcasts and look forward to listening when I get my shortwave radio this Christmas. Anyway, so many things I'd love to talk to you about, but I will keep this brief. Have you ever gotten sick from any of your food reviews? Like truly indisposed, quote, shouting into the porcelain void, and quote, kind of sick. Not quite sure why this is the only question I can think of. Anxiety is a hell of a thing. I'm sure you understand from Gregory. Thank you, Gregory, for writing in. And uh, no, I think that's a, that's a good, honest question. You know, I've done so many of these reviews over the years... I mean, again, that is that is a legitimately good question. Uh, here's what I have to report. I have not, and I'm very thankful to say this, but I have not had an encounter with a food item in one of my reviews that has made me, you know, throw it back up or has gotten me that sick. Have there been items, though, that I've consumed that have made me feel bad afterward? 
Yes, absolutely. When I, when I, I mean, I'm looking at recent videos. Right now, I've opened up the other YouTube channel. Triple Treat Box from Pizza Hut, from, you know, the hut. That, I, I felt fine after that. That was fine. Uh, the McRib. I felt good after that, too. I mean, some people, I know the McRib can kind of be a little bit of a a controversial thing where people, they see, you know, oh, it's not, I don't even know what the heck this thing is, but, you know, it didn't make me feel bad. Uh, the Future of Chicken Wings, one that was Buffalo Wild Wings, I was okay after that, too. Uh, the Little Caesars Pizza was all right with that. The Arby's thing I was okay with. But... The Beyond Sausage Pizza from Pizza Hut? You know... Here's the thing. Of course, the concept and the premise is, is, uh, of course, decent. But... I think if I were to go back... And re-review it, I would've... I would've probably given... Given the pizza, you know, a point lower. Because I think it, it interacts with everyone differently. But... You know, the faux meat on the Beyond Pizza is extremely, 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 extremely processed. And for some, that might not settle all too well with. Um, for me, after I had it, it kind of gave me a little bit of a weird feeling in my stomach, and I know it's because it was so processed. It tasted great. Truly indistinguishable and indiscernible from a regular sausage pizza... But, you know, you're getting this again, an incredibly processed substitute. You need to be aware of that, um, you know, going into it. So, those are just a few, a few random examples, but like nothing throwing up wise. Out of curiosity, I'm just curious, if I sort my videos by most popular... I'm just curious if I could even remember if any of those made me feel bad. Let's see, the most viewed videos, for better or for worse. No, I mean, the Popeye's shrimp one, you know, when I said the disappointment is immeasurable. And I'll never forget that one. I didn't plan that out. It was just a, you know, an off-the-cuff remark. And I was shocked when people um, <laughs> interpreted that comment as it did, and it became so well regarded as a meme. That's always entertaining that happened, but I was just really disappointed in those shrimp, because it used to be my favorite item, and they've, sin they've since redeemed themselves a bit, but they used to be so good, so then, you know, you try it, and it's all of a sudden not that great, you know, you've, you're, you're bummed out. You really are, because it's like, what, what happened to this? But it just made me feel bad, you know, mentally, not physically. Um... No, everything else was pretty was pretty good. Like like I've said, I know there have been some items here and there that have you know they've made me feel an ups upset stomach or gastrointestinal turmoil, but nothing to the extent of you know I'm sitting there throwing it back up again. I'm very fortunate to say. Uh, if you watched the one video that I did, yeah, you know, kind of recently where I was reviewing 
Uh, no, I wasn't reviewing anything. I was just talking about my fast food quirks. You know, the the things that I, I'm not a big fan of with food. What did I call it? Some food disgusts me, I think. Something like that. And I was saying, like, the last time that I ever really vomited food up that, you know, had an un- a very unpleasant reaction was, again, back in 2014, where, uh, you know, I had this stomach virus, and I got it from a family member. I know I did. You know, you could, you know, you could just tell. But I had already got, it, it wasn't what I ate. You know, it was just the unfortunate situation where you had, you know, just wrong place, wrong time. Well, I remember that evening before I really got sick, I was having uh, hot dogs, and they were good. They were good. They tasted good, you know, some nice grilled hot dogs. It was great, and I enjoyed them very much. Um, And I remember I enjoyed them. I had a good meal. It was around 6 p.m. I went about my evening, and uh, everything was fine. I was still feeling good when I had gone to sleep, which I think was around, you know, 10 p.m. or so. And I recall waking up at around 3 a.m. And I think for those of you who, I, I would say that's probably all of us, you know, who have thrown up due to illness at one point or another, you know, about, not even immediately, but like maybe 15, 10, 15 minutes before you throw up, you have that feeling in your stomach where it's like, something's not right here. Something's really not right. And I remember waking up and I didn't feel totally like sick yet. It was just a very strange feeling in my stomach, and I thought, you know, I don't know, I'm just going to lay here a bit. But that feeling continued to build and build until it eventually it gets to that point where you just know you're going to throw up. And at that point, I think we mostly always try to move to the, the bathroom, to a sink, to a toilet, any place where we can just get it out. I finally had that feeling, and I thought, oh gosh, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. i got to get out of bed, and i got to get into the bathroom and, uh, and you know, contain the inevitable, uh, the inevitable mess that is to happen here. So I remember I got up. I, I went into the bathroom. I, you know, sure enough, I did throw up. And all those hot dogs that I had eaten earlier in the evening where now I think it was in the toilet you know they were there and it's just an unpleasant experience of course the throwing up and the whole the whole feeling who wants to go through that but then having to look down at obviously these remains of my dinner seeing that image understanding the experience it does things to you and as a result you know, after that, it was. It took me a long time after I got over that, that cold. It took me a long time to look at the grilled hot dogs the same way again and not think about throwing up. Because even though those hot dogs weren't what made me sick, 
I already had the virus in my system beforehand. I couldn't help but look at them and just, you know, the connotation between that and the hot dogs, and I was grossed out by it. It's just an icky, yucky feeling. But I remember that illness, that was probably, at least in recent times, easily the weakest I ever felt. Easily. Now, I know right now I'm small. You know, I'm small. You can call me skinny. You can call me scrawny. I really don't care. That stuff doesn't bother me. But I still feel like I have, you know, strength in as much that I can move around, I can get around, I can run around, I can do things. When I say weakness, I'm talking in terms of literally being bedridden. I mean, even after I had my fall or I was recovering from different procedures or whatever, I was I was still okay. I could still reach and grab things and do things, and I was all right in that regard. When I mean the weakest I ever felt, I'll never forget that illness. It was... I think it wasn't the day that I had that first, you know, vomiting experience, but it was the next. Because, you know, after that, of course, my stomach was very irritated. I obviously was dealing with this virus. I wasn't able to keep food down. I think I was able to keep small amounts of water down, but like any solid food, that was absolutely not going to happen. So I remember, I think that day I had rested in bed. The next day, I managed to get myself from bed um, over to a couch in another room because there was a TV in there and I just wanted to if I'm going to if I'm going to have to just rest at least I want to you know maybe watch something and I didn't have a laptop at that time or a smartphone so you know there's no way I was able to get myself over to a desktop computer and sit there and uh, do that I was just really down for the count but I remember that second day I was able to you know mope my way over to this couch crash on it. And I remember as the day progressed, I just started feeling really, really tired and really, really, really weak until eventually, at that time when it came to try to eat something, I, I, it's, it's tough to explain, but I know a number of you, you understand this feeling. It was like I had a table right next to me. And on this table were little, you know, morsels of food that I could try to eat and see if I could hold it down this time. And it was like, I was just so physically tired, I could not, for the life of me, I could not sit myself up and even just reach over to eat. Like, I was finally able to move my arm over and finally able to... But doing that, it felt like I was, like, the most exertion I have ever done, you know, when you're that tired. And thankfully, you know, I was able to eat enough. I was able to keep stuff down. And then I remember after that, I slept for, like, 18, 19 hours straight. And then after that, I started feeling better and I started regaining my strength. But it was in that moment that I realized... 
there are different types of tiredness. You know, you can be, I haven't gotten, you know, sleep in a day tired. You can have, oh, you know, I've been out really exerting myself. I've been, you know, it's just been a long day. I'm really tired from doing all this manual labor. And then you have (laughs) bedridden tired. And oh my goodness, I'd never experienced that before. Let me tell you, it is, it's crazy. It's just crazy because again, you have, it's like even the simplest of activities just exhaust you. It's crazy how that is. So that's when I realized, oh gosh, and I hope I, I hope I I never feel like this again, at least for a long time, because, yeah, you are completely, you can't do anything at that point. You can do nothing. So thank you for writing in. Again, it was just, when you mentioned that, it was just a memory that kind of was conjured up by it. But uh, thank you for checking in. You're listening in to VORW International. I'm going to get to this email, and then maybe two more. Hey, Review Bra, for the last two months, I've had what I'd call obsessive, intrusive thoughts about this one particular subject. All I'll say is it is something that I regret doing six years ago. I've gotten over it a long time ago, but my mind has been trying to beat me down. It has been really tough on my mental health. At first, I was fighting back and forth with my thoughts, trying to reason with them, Then I tried to simply not think about it, and neither worked no matter what I did until I discovered meditation. I started doing guided meditation about four weeks ago, and it has worked wonders for me. I meditate around five to ten minutes a day. Meditation has helped me learn how to observe my thoughts without fighting back at them. Though the thoughts are still lingering... With some days being worse than others, I have come to realize that this will pass, and I've been much happier in recent weeks. So thank you, Johnson. Meditation, and there's different types of meditation, of course, for, you know, different levels and extents of it, but a good point. It's something that I always recommend at least folks to try. You know, it's not to say that it works. It's not to say that it is a cure-all for everything. But sometimes it can help. Sometimes even the most simple meditation, the simple breathing techniques, can really, it can help put you in a better place. It can. Sometimes I'll do the, the breathing techniques. It's almost a way that it forces your mind to focus on the breaths. Not anything else, just breathing. And it's kind of like a, almost like forcing it to shut off in a sense. Not that you're really shutting anything off, but it's shutting down what can sometimes be, you know, a very racing mind. Yeah, the, the meditation. I'm glad that it worked for you. Obsessive, intrusive thoughts. I know how awful those can be. You know, sometimes these things just pop into your head. Uh, Whatever it is, I mean, it could be, again, like, looking back at memories, embarrassing moments, regrets, etc. And they can, you know, they can come back to you without warning. 
they really can haunt you, in a sense. I understand. And there have been instances, you know, we all, I think everyone should have some regrets in life. No one's perfect. We all make mistakes. We just have to look back at them and try our best to learn from them. But I think we all have regrets. I know I certainly have mine, you know. You look back years ago, you say, I wish I had, you know, done this. Wish I had said this or acted this way or gone here or not done this, you know. You have regrets, of course. I do. It's just, it's one of those things that you can't do anything about. And sometimes, you know, in my mind, I will revisit past scenarios and circumstances. Obviously, you know, we don't have the ability to go back and change anything. And in some instances, it's like the damage is done. And you can feel bad about it all you want now, but that's still not going to change what was done. You know, you just have to kind of look at your screw-ups and try to say, well, I made the mistake, but... How can I make sure I don't make that again going forward? But, you know, that's the thing. Like, even knowing all of these things, even knowing what's done is done, and I could try to... Sometimes it still just comes back to you. And, yeah, sometimes I think our minds, you know, they're, they're out to get us. It's like sometimes, at least in my instance, and I think in some others, your mind, it's like it's there to attack you in some ways. Of course, it's part of you. It could be your best friend. It can really give you a whole boatload of problems too. Sometimes I feel like it's out to it's out to uh, hurt you for some reason. You know, it takes these things and it for no reason. Really, it has no reason to, but it comes back around and taunts you, almost like some sort of you know schoolyard bully of sorts but meditation I mean it's like otherwise you can get frustrated you want these thoughts to go away but it's your own mind how can you make them go away just like that you know if you could they'd already be gone but meditation like I was saying is sometimes in some cases it's the equivalent to like putting a to pushing a little bit of a shut-off switch, in a sense, and it could just, it, it can relax you, and it could put things in perspective as well, that's another thing, just how important perspective is. Thanks for uh, writing in. This next email, a bit of a serious one, comes in from a listener who I will keep anonymous, who writes, I know this is dumb, and in the months to come, I'm sure I'll regret it and be embarrassed, so I apologize for dumping this on you. I lost my boyfriend to COVID last week. I just want to let you know how much we enjoyed watching your review videos together. I've only been watching about a year with him. He'd been enjoying you for quite a few years, and he was always surprised that I liked it. I just thought that you were adorable and the videos were fun, something easy to watch. We both got sick before Thanksgiving and were separated, but keep in constant contact with phones, etc. We were saving your latest episodes to watch when we were together. While I'm unable to watch on my own right now, I know I will one day. If you have any pull on any platform and you're comfortable, or even if you just use this for your own knowledge, 
uh, to help people realize COVID-19 is serious. He was only 35 healthy and died because of a pulmonary embolism. It's not talked about that COVID can cause the blood to thicken, or any shortness of breath could be this dangerous. We thought we were out of the woods and then he's died. I thank you for your time. We thought we were out of the woods and then he died. I thank you for your time and hours of entertainment. I'm really sorry for your loss, and again, I... I, At this point, there's nothing easy that you could even say to try to say, you know, it'll get better. I mean, it's... Everyone is different and everything is at its own pace, but... Death, it's an extremely, extremely hard thing, especially, you know, for those who have great significance to you, especially when it's in a case like that. Young, I mean, 35 years old, just like that. Especially when it seems like you'll be okay, and you're out of the woods and it's getting better, and then that's it. It's it's over. It's, it's very, very sad, and life in some cases is a very cruel thing. And considering everything that you've been through, it's the least I could do to, you know, respectfully share this email of yours, and, I mean, let let listeners make of it what they will. Let it speak for itself. I know COVID-19 these days has been very politicized. I think a lot of frustrations, including a number of my own. I've grown frustrated with a number of things, too. You know, but I think a lot of frustrations may not necessarily stem from the virus itself, but from, you know, maybe society's reactions to or handling of the virus that causes a lot of frustration. You know, it's... That's what I've seen, that's what I've observed, and again, some of my own frustrations have been in regards to that. A lot of things, of course, you know, that people do complain about is, you know, a lot of the restrictions and lockdowns and, you know, the mask wearings, and I think now, of course, as we get more into this, uh, vaccinations as well. You know, lots of debate, and, you know, lots of folks say, well, it should be mandatory. No, it shouldn't be mandatory, and, you know, each side kind of digs their heels in and, you know, kind of makes their case. But you have a lot of anger. You have a lot of finger-pointing, you know, lots of accusations and upset. And, well, granted, COVID-19 and a lot of the restrictions, it has led to the loss of so many livelihoods. But, you know, the one thing that I try to remember as well, when you, you know, even when I sometimes have frustrations with some of the the measures and, you know, just some of the attitudes, and I sometimes get frustrations with both sides, to tell you the truth. But one thing that I try to, you know, tell myself when I look at the situation, I say, well, a lot of these problems are very big, they're very serious, you know, maybe things that I don't necessarily agree with, but a lot of these these issues, serious they may be, though they might be temporary. You know, sometimes we find ourselves in a rut, we find ourselves uh, 
in a whole, we get sick or tired of one thing or the next, but even if you don't see it right now, there's oftentimes ways we can work ourselves out of this. And yes, it, may, it might take time. Now, yeah, we live in a time of instant gratification. You know, we want things to be solved and put back on track fast now, ASAP. Sometimes, yes, this can, we can get back on track. Things can be solved, things can get better, but it might take time. It might be through a process that, you know, we don't even really see now in terms of our situation and improving it. But it can still happen, but it might take years, <laughs> you know? But what I'm trying to say is that some of these frustrations and some of these problems, awful and serious that they are, may be temporary. And the one problem, though, that's permanent, of course, is death. One thing that this virus has sadly caused a lot of. Yes, people say, well, it's largely in folks with comorbidities and, you know, the elderly, etc., etc. And yes, yes, lots of high-risk groups out there are more susceptible to the severe effects of COVID-19, however. This disease also affects everyone differently. And while most people who get it, get over it, maybe get a mild case, maybe a moderate case, it's a numbers game. You know, what are the odds that you don't get that mild case, that you don't get that moderate case, that you get a severe case? There's some folks out there who are largely in good condition and you know, they feel like they do everything right, and they might get that severe case. They might wind up in the hospital. They might wind up in the ICU. They may perish to this disease. And because of that, even if the odds are what they may be, I think it's a good reason to take this seriously and understand for the sake not only of your own life, but the lives of those around you and your family and those you care about and are of significance to you, that you just have to take this seriously, that this disease, it, it can, it has, and it will continue to kill. In my opinion, it's no laughing matter. It's just something that you have to be responsible, even if it's, in some cases, a source of frustration. have to be responsible. You have to play it safe. Better safe than sorry, and just take it seriously. This isn't the only listener email from the duration, you know, of this pandemic this year that I've sadly received of listeners and viewers of mine who have died from this. I wish I could say that it has been. It hasn't. There's been a good handful of folks who, you know, there's been family members and friends and in some cases, folks wrote in, you know, saying that you know, they're not doing them, and you never hear you, you never hear from them again. Now, maybe they just stopped listening or stopped viewing, but you know, in some cases, you fear the worst. You see that, and you realize, number one, of course, we're all mortal, and number two, this disease it 
It has the power to take away. Most certainly does. And in some cases, it seems to exercise that power at random. Again, I know that the lines have been drawn pretty much. You know, it's folks who, you know, you see it one way or you see it the other way. I think everyone kind of has their sides. It's like I remember early on in the pandemic, there is a lot of flexibility. You remember when, you know, the prevailing attitudes, they changed so much early on. I remember in, in January, I was I, I was following the COVID very early on. Back when it was, you know, just in Wuhan, I was following it. I remember I was on uh, all sorts of forums and message boards and image boards. And uh, really, it wasn't covered in the mainstream at the time. But I was looking, you know, and just trying to get whatever news I could get of it. It seemed like it was just especially for a virus, because the last one I had really followed was Ebola, and it seemed like it was just getting more out of control than anything you'd seen there, and you didn't... There wasn't a ton that we really knew about it back then yet. I mean, it's still a virus that we kind of know the basics of, but it continues to do very strange things at times. But I remember I was monitoring it from those sources. I was listening to a lot of shortwave broadcasts that were covering it. But, you know, this was all fringe stuff. I mean, on the mainstream, at the time, I remember in January, they were saying it's just going to be, you know, it's not going to ever affect us. It's not ever going to affect, you know, the world. It's it's not going to, it's not going to be anything. And then I remember, you know, the whole mask thing. You remember that in, like, February where they were explicitly saying, the mainstream, not to wear masks, that they are ineffective. You remember that? They said, only wear them if you're sick. You don't have to wear one. And as a matter of fact, I remember there were even pictures of signs out there saying, you know, do not wear a mask. You do not need one. Save it for the healthcare workers and those who are sick, but don't wear one otherwise. And then very rapidly, you know, through late February and then into March, March especially, was when you saw these attitudes change rapidly. All of a sudden, it went from, it's not going to affect us, masks don't work, don't worry about it, the flu is a bigger issue, you know, then all of a sudden it changed from that to, oh wait, this is an issue. Oh wait, we do have to take this seriously. Masks maybe do help curb the spread. And, you know, with time now, I think it's just the lines are kind of drawn, and it's like, you know, you have the group... It's like, I think you have a few different groups of people, but every group of individuals kind of remains steadfast in their beliefs. You know, you have the group of individuals who thinks that, you know, COVID is real and it's serious, and we need to take this seriously, right? There's also the group of individuals that think, well, COVID-19 is obviously real. It's a real disease. It has killed people and, again, will continue to. 
And yeah, you can't be stupid with it. But we think that a number of the restrictions and regulations are either a bit unjust, they're harmful in different ways. And while we agree partly with the first group, you know, maybe some of the restrictions they suggest we don't agree with. Right, and then you have the third group, which just, you know, COVID doesn't exist, it's not real. Or if it is, it's blown out of proportion and not serious at all. And this is all, you know, some sort of scheme for control, etc. Now, when it comes down to my own view of COVID-19, I just try to absorb, you know, the situation. And what I do with a lot of events and issues and things going on in the world, and this is just my, my, my way of doing it, I'm not... This, this probably isn't the right way to do it, but it's just what I personally do, and it's just how I do it. I try to consume media and understand all the viewpoints, you know? I try not just to put myself in the one group that I feel I align with at first, and only look at viewpoints from this group and things that agree with this ideology, but I just try to look at all the... everything. And look at the situation, think critically, and then go from there. So my own view is like a, a mix of the first two with largely, you know, the view of the first group. Because I look and I see, well, even just based firsthand, never before has there ever been a year where I've gotten the amount of emails that I have? And thankfully it's not, you know, thousands or hundreds, but it's enough to certainly leave a very strong impact. Again, from listeners and their families and friends, you know, who say that this person, you know, died and had the COVID and passed from it. And, you know, it's nothing like that has ever happened before. I've never, I've never gotten that amount of correspondence. Personally, I know people who died from coronavirus. You know, especially earlier in the year when it hit the New York area very, very hard. You know, more than one person I know died from it. So, I understand a lot of frustrations, and in some cases I even share them. But when you see it firsthand like that, you realize, regardless of any of that, that this is real, it's serious, and yes, it can impact you too. We aren't immune from it. It's not one of those things that you just see on the screen. You're watching some video of some poor bastard half a world away get killed by it or something. And so, you know, you, you sit there and it's not going to happen to you. You're safe in your home and, you know, you're just watching it on a screen happen. But you don't have to worry about it yourself. You can grab the popcorn and enjoy it safely. 
But this is one of those things, you know, unsuspectingly that can just <laughs> kind of just barge in and get you any time. Doesn't mean we have to live in perpetual fear, but I guess what I'm just trying to say for the millionth time now, in a slightly different way, it's real, it's serious, and please take it seriously. The things you can do, maybe even will save a life. You don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know, had I have done this differently or not done this, what would have happened, but maybe it does. Maybe it does have an impact. Maybe our actions in this grand, huge world of ours really do have consequences in a positive way. Things we can do are so simple. Keep a little bit of distance. You know, put on the mask when you got to, when you're out, when you're around a lot of people. These are simple things. It's, it's not the end of the world to do these, these simple tasks, in my opinion. Anyway, it's just gotten me you know, just kind of going from one tangent to the next. But again, I'm, I'm really sorry for your loss. And one day I hope this wretched virus will just, will be gone. Something, you know, will be something that we can look back on, but we'll never have to worry about again. One can hope. One can hope that there will be a day. And with that, that's all that we have for you today. Thank you all so much for listening in. Uh, again, I intend to do another show before the new year. I know it doesn't really give me a ton of time, and it might just be a, you know, a shorter show just to get to some additional correspondence and some, you know, some thoughts for the new year or something. We'll see what happens. So uh, until next time, any last-minute feedback is welcome at v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Be safe, be healthy out there wherever you are, and I wish you all the very best. Take care. This is VORW.